Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money, and now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Have you ever thought about teaching a child to read? Maybe you had a child that struggled to read and you spent that extra time and energy to help. That was my mom. She spent an enormous amount of time helping me learn to read in a third grade level. Well, you thought, I guess that was important, but what about that child that struggles and no one helps? My guest today is Karen Vogelsing, Executive Director of Arise to Read, and Kerry Gage, a reading coach for Arise to Read. They're here to discuss the power of one-on-one tutoring and the difference one volunteer can make in a child's life. Arise to Read is partnering with churches and businesses through the local school district to strengthen second-grade students and enable them to enter the third grade reading on a third-grade reading level. Also, Ladrice McLean is here to talk about the challenges facing women investors. According to the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, women now represent 53.2% of professionals in the American workforce. And just what are the challenges they face as investors? Stay with us. Latrice has the answers. From our Did You Know files, the S&P was down 6.4% in May. And it's the first down month of the year. The index is still up 10.7% year-to-date through last Friday. Remember, though, past performance is not an indication of future performance. Looks like we have a new record in the making, one one that we've been kind of looking for and anticipating for months. From the National Bureau of Economic Research, June 2019 is the 120th consecutive month of an economic expansion in the United States. And that's tying a record that most of you might remember happened in the 90s between March of 1991 and March of 2001. The nation, of course, has maintained this record, would you believe, since 1854. From the American Housing Survey, good news. Some of what we find out is 40% of U.S. homeowners own their own home free and clear of any mortgage debt, any home equity loan, no debt. Of the 60% of homeowners with an outstanding debt, the balance, the median balance, is $126,000. That's good news. We're doing pretty good. Our debt, we're managing it. Great job. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And to find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Coming up. Karen Vogelsing and Kerry Gage, a rise to read. How can you make a difference in our city by taking an active role in the development of children in our public schools? Also, Latrice McClendon challenges facing women investors. She's got the answers. I'm him. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. 
Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Karen Vogelsang, Carrie Gage, or Arise to Read. The views and opinions expressed are those of Karen Vogelsang and Carrie Gage only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we are very excited about welcoming back to the studios Karen Vogelsang, the Executive Director of Rise to Read. Karen, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here, Jim. And you have a guest with you. You brought somebody that's a volunteer I and do. a coach. Yeah, this is Carrie Gage. Carrie Gage has been a volunteer at Getwell Elementary School. She just finished her third year. Um, she has a, a tremendous passion for the children that she works with year after year. She gets very attached to them, and she's a huge advocate for Rise to Read, always talking us up in the community. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you for being here. Thank you. All right. Let's talk about the bottom line here. We, You guys are just absolutely immersed in the public school system yep. and teaching kids how to read. Yep. That's the essence of what you do. Yep. So talk to me a little bit about the the partnership that you have. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, I introduced it in, a, in kind of a little bit about that in the monologue. You have the you got churches, evangelical churches, businesses, and you're partnering with the local school district. Right. Explain that to our listening yeah. audience. Yeah. Well, you know, when Donna first founded Arise to Read, Donna, Donna Gaines is our founder. She okay. founded, she worked with what was then Memphis City Schools about six or seven years ago now. We just finished year six as Arise to Read. And um, she started reaching out, um, obviously very connected in the in the church community started reaching out to folks in churches to recruit volunteers to serve the second graders in our public school system working you know again back then with what was memphis city schools and now shelby county schools so we've reached out to churches and businesses to help provide volunteers as well as financial support to work with our second grade students and focus specifically on a foundational literacy school literacy skill called sight word fluency and these are the words that kids have to know in order to be able to read fluently and you have to read fluently in order to comprehend and that's not just a few words that's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. Talk it's, a little bit. Yeah. About so what uh, the district and Donna came up with was utilizing the Fry Sight Word list. And this list is a research-based list of 1,000 words, and they're in 100-word chunks from kindergarten to early high school. And these are the words that occur most frequently in text. So kids have to be able to recognize these words with what I refer to as automaticity. They got to know them just like that. But they also have to understand how to use these words in reading and writing. So um, when kids can recognize these words with that level of mastery, then their brain is freed up to focus on those words that occur less frequently in text to help aid in their comprehension. Because that's our goal. Our goal is for kiddos to be able to leave second grade, go to third, and be prepared to transition from learning to read to reading to learn. Because if they're not on grade level by the end of third grade, the statistics are pretty scary. And that's the statistics being it's very difficult for them to catch up. Very difficult for them to catch up. When we talk about one of the statistics that we've looked at over the years is for two-thirds of children not reading on grade level by the end of fourth grade, they're likely going to end up on welfare or in prison because they're so far behind. And the focus of instruction after the third grade is you're reading to learn. You're not really being taught how to, all the 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 structural components of reading anymore. Those are supposed to be secured by the time you leave third grade. So when you're, what you're saying then is this idea behind it's so, it's just a mandate that this is important, that this early education 
be successful in a child's life. It's Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be in place by the time they leave the third grade because, you know, as an educator, teaching for 15 years and teaching first through fourth grades, uh, teaching these foundational skills is is challenging. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you have to have a level of expertise in order to do it. And if you're t- a teacher in later elementary and then obviously in middle school, you're more focused on reading comprehension skills. And those reading comprehension skills also apply in science and social studies. So it's our K-2 teachers that are really laying the firm foundation for our kiddos. And if that foundation isn't there, it's very hard for later elementary teachers to address uh, the skills that have to be taught at that grade level in addition to still teaching those foundational skills. So Arise to Read recruits these volunteers from churches and businesses to go in and work one-on-one with these kiddos on this very specific skill that can support reading fluency and comprehension. If you just tuned in, my guest is the executive director of Rise to Read, Karen Vogelsee, and a coach within her, and she's actually got a student. I'm going to ask her about the student in just a minute. Mm-hmm. Her name is Carrie Gage, and she is a volunteer and, uh, you know, I guess, Karen, when you talk about this, you're passionate. But just in the introduction, which we were preparing for the program, I'm about to introduce somebody that I can tell is very passionate about yes. what she does. Gary, tell me a little bit about what you're doing and your history. How did you get involved with Rise to Read? And who are you working with now? You don't have to tell me any names or anything. <laughs> I've been working with the Rise to Read for the past three years, and I heard about them through the Wise Heart F- Foundation and Dr. David Lewis several years ago. But my experience, this past year I worked with two kids. I mean, Trayvon and Glendy. I'm, those are fictitious names. That's okay. Trayvon, um, his mother's in prison. He, he doesn't know his father. He lives with his grandmother, and she's doing a remarkable job. But the unique relationship, I'm not just a coach. I'm a friend. I'm a mentor. It's to see him every Tuesday and to get that big hug and to help him with his words. At the beginning of the year, he tested on a first grade level, and we were able to expand his um, his progress by him learning 577 words, which is representative of that of a sixth grade level. Yeah. So that's moving, and so oh, gosh. you immediately saw the impact of your hour that you spend on Tuesdays, or actually 30 minutes with him, right? because it's an hour total. Your commitment's an hour a week, and you're spending it with two children 30 minutes with one and 30 minutes with another. Right. And he gets so excited. So we go through the words and then I send him index cards and then he uses those index cards to teach his little brothers and sisters how to read. And then, you know, we'll write phrases and draw pictures. And he's just so excited to see me. And there's times when I've had to travel for business and I said, I'm not going to be here next week. And he would get, he had that frown on his face. Yeah. But just being that friend and mentor. But then my other child, Glendy, Glendy's Hispanic. They speak, um, they don't speak English in the home. Um, she's the only one that can speak English in her family besides her father, and she's taken her index cards home, too. She tested on a JK level, pre-kindergarten, as a second grader. Her words expanded by 177, but the challenges that she's facing, um, but it's been instrumental. I mean, it's so rewarding for me, probably more rewarding for me than it is for them. But when you see the light go off, and they're so excited to learn, and they realize that it's it's not hard, it's not difficult, and that uh, we're all there helping together. That makes a difference. <laughs> makes a huge difference. I, I read something about this this whole idea. You said that the family, the difference, the mom's in prison, mm-hmm. the dad doesn't know his dad. That's an adverse childhood experience. Yeah. And, and you had actually given me some information that having someone who believes in you early 
can mitigate the effects. Talk Absolutely. a little bit about that for me, Karen. You know, for a lot of the children that we serve, you know, Memphis is uh, number two in childhood poverty. I think the last time we were on, uh, Memphis was number one. We've moved to the number two spot. 39% of our children under the age of 18 in Memphis live in poverty. And for a lot of our children, they do face these ad adverse childhood experiences. And there's so much research out there that just talks about the fact that powerful, strong relationships where someone is believing in that child, has high expectations, can send them on a completely different trajectory than the one that they may be in at that particular point in time. All of us have stories about somebody that breathed positivity, breathed life in us. And what I tell our coaches when our, our volunteers, when they come in for training all the time, you may only be with that child for, for 30 minutes you know, once a week for the majority of the school year, but you could be that voice. Carrie could be that voice for the children that she served over the last three years. And that little voice inside their heads could say, Miss Carrie said I could do this. Miss Carrie believes in me. Mm -hmm. And that propels them to keep pushing forward. And that persistence and perseverance pays off. And what happens is you have a whole new trajectory for that child and not just for that child, but for that child's family and for the future of Memphis. This isn't just about children in poverty. This is a, for all of us in Memphis, because if we create a more educated workforce, we can attract more businesses. It reduces crime. 75% of crimes in the United States are committed by high school dropouts. Wow. But it's not just that child. If you can make a difference with that one child, you're changing the trajectory of their future generations. Yeah. So well, it goes the all key. the way down. Yeah, it does. It trickles down. That's yeah. a great point. And then what I heard you say is that you're having an impact in the home. Mm -hmm. If Trevon, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. is teaching little brothers and sisters, that's a that's just a that's an effect. That's a multiplication thing. That's yeah. not just adding because that does begin to multiply. Yeah. And Glendy is teaching her mother how to read. There you go. So we're talking about something that if you've got someone that has a positive relationship with a child, that can literally build child that resilience yes. in that child. I guess I guess I want to make sure that everybody understands. Listen to me real carefully. If you're thinking about, well, I have an extra hour. No, you don't. Nobody has an extra hour. This is a commitment that you have to say, I want to have an impact with my city. With a child, you want to help a child that have a positive relationship and build resilience. So listen up. Arise to read. R A. It's just arise with the letter two or the number two read dot org. Or you can call Karen at three four seven five five four five. It's three four seven five five four five. I'm going to give that number out multiple times. Arise to read the number two or arise to read dot org. They're over at Ridgeway Center Parkway, and they're um, just uh, we're going to we're going to get some volunteers today. Absolutely. We need to do that. Yeah. Bottom line is, you guys are opening some new schools. I we understand. are. We Tell are. me about that. So, um, you know, principals talk to each other, and when you have one principal that's seeing success in the students that we're serving, they start talking to other principals. And we have between three and seven schools that are interested in starting in the fall. We have three definitely committed, but with those three schools, that means we've got to find volunteers, whether those volunteers are coming from a church, the community, from a specific business. Uh, we added three more 
businesses um, to our, our business partnerships last year. Um, they provide tremendous support. And what business leaders are finding is that they are making an investment in the future workforce in Memphis. And on top of that, they're allowing their employees to leave their place of business, just like Carrie is, spending about an hour and 20 minutes to be able to travel back and forth to her school. And nobody's losing any pay in the process of doing this. This past semester, we actually have folks from um, the juvenile court clerk's office. Our juvenile court clerk, um, I've just <laughs> clerk full of love, um, is actually volunteering at Bruce Elementary School. So now we're even getting government organizations that are interested in supporting a rise to read. So we have a minimum of three schools starting in the fall. We've served 34 schools this past year. We need more volunteers. We want to reach every second grader that needs this support throughout our community. The, the statistics were, are staggering. This has to have an impact. There's no oh, yeah. doubt that this has to have an impact. Yeah. As you coach, Kiri, you're, you're involved. I'm sure you talk to other coaches, and I'm sure the excitement, because I can see it, both of you ladies do a great job of that. But when you talk about Trevor, Trevon, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm thinking when he says you're not going to, you told him you were not going to be there, and he's, what do you think's going on in his little mind as he's thinking about what's happening when you're not there, does he ever feel, do you ever get a sense that he says, what if you're not going to help me? There are backup coaches to support me, and I'm there to support other coaches. So we shift around. But when you see these kids, we're making such a difference in them. Trayvon came to school one day, and he said, I could tell that he couldn't, he was straining to see. And he said, my glasses are broken. And he said, I really need my glasses. My grandmother told me she was getting my glasses. I didn't know he was having a problem not being able to see the words and everything. So I wrote it, always write a note at the end of each session saying to his grandmother how proud I am of him, how hard he's worked. And, I, and that week I said, by the way, he's mentioned he really needs his glasses. He's having a hard time seeing the board. The next week he had glasses. Amen. So it's like picking out those things. And we've seen so many different things and you know, diagnosing kids with whether they're or thinking that they might have ADD or they can't see the board or they need glasses. or But we're just a positive reinforcement there for them. It's not much about as, as much about the tutoring and the coaching as it is being a friend and being a mentor mm-hmm. yeah. and just being so positive and telling them that they can do it and that they are smart and that they are great kids. And it's just giving that and them that encouragement to move on. And each week when they struggle with the words, I send them index cards. And I'm like, will you, will you work hard and learn these words for me and come back next week? We're going to go through them. Every week they come back and they're yeah. so excited and they yeah. know those words and they'll use them in, you know, in different sentences and they get so excited. And in the last three or four minutes, we take books and we read. Because just because they can identify words, they still have to put those words together to read. To read. And they get so excited. We give them a little sticker. and But also with the books. So book poverty, mm. for these kids, like for my children at home, the average books that my children have is like 13 books to mm. one child. These children have one book to 300 kids. So they don't have books. So we've done several things. For, you know, Last Easter, I brought a, a bunch of women mm. together, and we made bags, and we gave each kid you know, seven books and workbooks and crayons and colors, things that they can do on their own by themselves without any involvement. And then Arise to Read gives books at Christmas, and they send them home with a backpack at the end of the school year full of workbooks and uh, activity books and Brand books for them books. to read on their own so they don't need – they, don't, they would love to have interaction with someone else, but if they're at home by themselves, they can keep they themselves can busy and they can continue their skills. That's yeah. great. Yeah. What I'm hearing is that you're talking about someone who believes in a child early, mm-hmm. and that's going to have that positive relationship, that positive relationship builds resilience. 
And these kids need resilience. Yes, absolutely. That's that's a perfect thought. How can you volunteer? And bottom line, does it take you guys are good. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know what you're talking about. What does it take to be a volunteer and how much training? Uh, it's one hour training. So the training is very short and sweet, not very complicated. We have a very specific protocol that we teach our volunteers to utilize in the uh, in the schools. We'll have our big kickoff starting off for the uh, 2019-2020 school year on August the 22nd. So we want folks to show up in huge numbers. The event will take place at Bellevue Baptist Church. Um, the training, like I said, is an hour, but at each of our schools we have head coaches, and our head coaches are there to support our volunteers that we refer to as coaches instead of tutors. And um, then at the end of the kickoff event on August the 22nd, we'll have a school fair where volunteers can look at all the different schools we're supporting, look at the schedules that are going to occur at each of those schools, so they can decide, well, this one's going to be best for me. I'm going to drop my kids off in the morning at their school, then I can head to this school to, to support support kiddos there or maybe they work downtown and they need a school near downtown we have schools throughout the city after august 22nd we will host between three to five trainings every month because we always have people getting interested but we we want to we want to exceed capacity at bellevue baptist yeah, church sure. at our training event on august the 22nd um, but it's a very very simple process and support all the way throughout you know throughout the year when you go about through this, I'll just make sure everybody understands that, that Rice to Read does require a background check on all volunteers yes. per the Shelby County school policy that they have. So just not anybody can show up. you got you got to go through the background check. Right. Then it's an hour, let's say, that you're going to go. Then you get to pick a school that you're going to. You get to pick now, a school. You know, yeah, let's talk about this, Carrie. You work full time. Mm-hmm. What's your? Where do you work? Right, I work at UBS Financial. So my office is at Poplar 9240. And when I first got involved, I said, ooh, I could you know, volunteer at Ridgeway Elementary or Shady Grove. And they said, those aren't the schools we really need you at. <laughs> and they said, Get Well Elementary. I'm like, Get Well, that's kind of far. Well, it's not. It's seven minutes. I jump on the interstate, seven minutes there. From the time I leave my office to the time I get back, it's an hour and 20 minutes. I walk in the school, sign in, walk to my classroom. My coach is bringing my child down the hallway. Spend 30 minutes with each child. It's very easy. And I've got several friends who go with me. Um, one of my dear friends, Deanie Phelan, sits at the same table. We coach all four of our kids together. She's got two. I've got two. But it's so rewarding. And it, do, it's, it does not take a lot of time. An hour and 20 minutes by the time I leave and get back to the office. Wow. That's, that's what I want everybody to know. I'm going to talk a little bit more. I've got one more question for them. When we come back, I want you to listen very, very careful about this whole idea behind resilience and why that's important and why it's important, especially in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Latrice McClinn is a registered representative. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, my guest has been Karen Vogelsang, executive director of Rise to Read, and Kerry Gage, a coach 
And we've been talking to them about how you can get involved, be a volunteer for the fall semester in a school with a young person that's learning how to read and trying to get to that third grade reading level. Arise to read.org. That's arise, the letter to the number two. Read at ORG or the telephone number is 347 5545. And ladies, appreciate so much. You've been I've spoken from your heart. But I, I think it's important that our listening audience understands that this is not, when we talked earlier, this is not just about, okay, going and tutoring a kid. This is about having an impact on our city, yep. have an impact on education, on a child. We even talked about multiple generations. Family members, it just multiplies. The reality is, though, these children go through some pretty tough times. Yep. We talked about that. And that by having this influence, it's a positive influence in a child's life. You're, they know you're trying to help them. That's critical. Yeah. So that positive relationship, it builds resilience. Yeah. You've had that experience at a particular mm. school here in town. I want you to tell our audience about that. You know, it the resilience part comes from the relationship piece. And over and over again, since coming on board as executive director at Arise, it's just been so evident how powerful and how important the relationships are between our volunteers and our students. Um, one of the most fascinating stories for me is our pilot school, Treadwell Elementary School. And that's where Donna began Arise to Read, and they just finished year six. And this time last year when I was looking at the historical data of Arise, and again this year looking at the historical data from Treadwell with Arise to Read, the first three years we pre-tested the kids Barely a third of the children were reading on-site word grade level in the second grade. In fact, one year, only a fourth of the children in second grade were reading on-site word grade level. And while they made great gains, that was great. But when I started to look at the last three years' worth of data, now those second graders are pre-testing, almost 50% of them are pre-testing on grade level. And that begged the question, why is that happening? Well, I talked to the principal. I talked to another principal that started a school um, in year two with Arise. And this is what happens. A culture of literacy just starts to permeate the walls. And and Carrie talked about this as well. It not only permeates the walls at the school where the faculty and staff are saying, wow, these people in my community care about me. Ministry was spilling over. It wasn't just about reading. It was about, let's get backpacks. Let's help them with a coat closet. Let's volunteer during uh, testing and proctoring. Let's volunteer at field day, beginning of the year. So ministry was spilling over in other ways. But then that literacy was also going home with the kids. Carrie talked about the fact that her kiddos are teaching her little girls, teaching her mom, um, who's not an English speaker, the words that she's learning. The same thing is happening, was happening at Treadwell Elementary. Um, Alex Coleman is a, is a coach at, at Treadwell, and he shared the story with me last year that one of the little boys he coached a couple years earlier came running up to him saying, Mr. Alex, Mr. Alex, guess what? I taught my little brother to read these words. And so the the families were feeling the impact as well. That's where that resilience can, that seed is planted in, in situations like that. And it just blossoms. And Treadwell is definitely a testament to that because we're seeing that happen there. And uh, more and more kids, and in fact, when Arise to Read got started at Treadwell, they were on the priority list. And when those first year second graders finished in 2017 and 
Treadwell got their results back, they were off the priority list because we really believe that those second graders had an impact from third to fourth to fifth grade, helping that school come off a high priority list with the state of Tennessee. If you want to have an impact in your community, that's one. If you want to have an impact on a child, that's two. But here's the results. All I have to do is spend 10 minutes with you guys and see that this really has an impact on you. Yeah. And that's probably the side of the fact that people forget. Sure, I'm teaching Trevon how to read and I'm having him. That's important, but I can see it as an effect on Miss Gage, too. No question, Karen. Obviously, it does you. You can tell you drip with it. I know. It's just there. And you know what, ladies? That's really what you would expect. I mean, you're passionate about what God's called you to do and how you're being used to have an impact on our city. If you would like to volunteer... Just give Karen Vogelsinger a call. She's the executive director. Telephone number is 347-5545, 347-5545. Arise to read, arise, the number two, read at ORG. Give them a call. Guys, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you, you know, just being a part of the program, but really talking about the city of Memphis and the impact that you're having. And I appreciate it because I don't want anybody to think this is not just for ladies. It's got men. We need everybody. So just be sure you're paying attention. 347-5545. Coming up, Latrice McClin. She is going to talk about challenges of women investors. There are several. You do not want to miss that part of the program. She'll be with us in just a minute. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Though he is most famous for his very public part in the Scopes trial in Dayton, Tennessee, which concluded his life in 1925, William Jennings Bryan made a lasting impression on many aspects of American civil life and on the shape of our cultural landscape. Devout, populist, and progressive, Brian was known as the Great Commoner for his faith in the collective wisdom of the American people. During his run for president in 1896, Brian set the standard for future campaigns, delivering over 500 speeches across the nation while the other candidates stayed home and was the first presidential candidate to campaign in a car. Though he never won the presidency, his efforts were rewarded by his appointment as Secretary of State under President Wilson. After resigning from this post in 1915, Bryan remained publicly active and campaigned vigorously for women's suffrage, which was passed as a constitutional amendment five years later. The phrase, he kept the faith, is his epitaph. This has been another Mid-South History Moment. Brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, in the second half of the program, I am privileged to have Latrice McLean from Shoemaker Financial. She's talking about some big issues that face women investors today. And I'm, you know, we've done this program kind of a little bit about it. She's done an enormous amount of research. By the way, just to give you a heads up, if you would like her to speak to your organization, don't hesitate to give her a call. She frequently speaks around the community and does a lot of education. She's a part of our financial literacy team. Welcome to the program, Latrice. Thanks, Jim, for having me here this morning. 
Brian? You know, this idea that I said in the monologue that 53.2% of professionals in the American workplace, workplace, well, I'd love to get that tongue tied. <laughs> I get that fixed. Workforce, actually, uh, are women today, according to the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Now, with that large group, it's now 53.2%, women face unique challenges. They're looking at managing their financial lives and planning for a secure future, and they've got all kinds of things going on. So financial literacy, which you specialize and teach a lot, is very important. Help me understand some of the major issues that you see as you're talking to ladies. Well, Jim, one, one of the first things that I see is just longevity. Uh, obviously, we don't know how long we're going to live, and uh, statistics are showing that women are living longer than men. And um, with that happening, sometimes the women they don't they're not uh, they don't know. Okay, this is uh, these are the financial decisions that I need to make, and they're trying to figure all of that out, and and that can be very stressful for them. You know, I, that just to bring that to a personal thought, my wife and I are you know I don't doubt that she will live longer than me. Probably, no question. I mean, you look at her. <laughs> we don't have to go into that. But but that's easy. Uh, a picture would do a thousand words. Uh, the reality, though, I took the time in the last six to nine months, and I said, look, I'm going to try to help. Because you're right. I've made 90% of the, the financial decisions. I never okay. make a decision without her input. Thank goodness I have learned that, and she's extremely wise. She's kept me from making some terrible mistakes. And you know, when she looks at me, she says, "That's not. I don't. That's not <laughs> smart." And I go, "Okay, that's that's out." So I move on. But you know, when it comes to pulling that string on something, she hasn't been doing that. So yeah. she did. She. I get this idea, but the fact that longevity, because someday she will be the one. How do you coach someone to understand the importance or around that understanding what they need to know? Well, one is you got to give them confidence, and and that's something that's important is for um, that female. And and there's a statistics uh, from Fidelity Investments that says this: that 53 percent of women are not confident enough to talk to financial professionals on their own. So that's what you're focusing on is that education, yes. that literacy. When you talk about not confident, not this no word's not competent now, it's confidence. Confident, yes. To talk to that financial professional alone. So you're working on that. Yes. And sometimes when even having meetings with couples, you'll see uh usually okay, I'll ask a question and I'll ask it to both the husband and the wife. A lot of times the wife is going to look at the husband to respond. So that confidence is giving that wife that confidence is very, very important. You know, you mentioned as we were preparing for the program, I appreciate you talking about the 53 percent. But also somewhere there you told me about 73 percent are not comfortable. It's not only it's not it's not confident. Mm -hmm. It's just not just what you're saying is not comfortable. So three out of four, basically, are just not comfortable talking to a financial professional. Not comfortable because sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. Uh, and so you, it's, it's educating and, and learning and working with that financial professional to get that confidence and to get uh, the information that they need to make decisions. So what you're I think it's this this kind of summarized a little bit of this longevity issue. Women are living longer. Yes. And that's statistically we can see that we understand that an age a 65 year old woman's got, a you know, 
she's got to going to live to be 85. You know, yeah. you know if, and if she lives to be 85, she's got a 65% chance exactly. you know, of living longer. So I think those are all things that we need to think about. But what you really say, this lack of involvement mm-hmm. in financial affairs really does create this extremely mm-hmm. vulnerable state. And what we're trying to do, what you're working hard at, is doing this education process to get them around that and more comfortable. Yes, it's, it's doing that, getting involved, knowing what's going on, and just under, sometimes understanding terms or learning terms and, and speaking that language so you can understand what's going on with your finances. Well, I think we always tell everybody at the office, too, and, and I know you do this extremely well, that both spouses, if they're married, if, you know, if they're married or they're, you know, they have a relationship, take part in financial decision making and planning so that each person understands what you're talking about. Yes, exactly. All right, longevity being the first challenge. I get it, and my wife gets it. She's going to live longer than me, but what's the second challenge? Well, this this second one is just uh, lower expected earnings, and that's just uh, income from your job. Uh, Women are bringing home smaller paychecks, and this is a really interesting uh, statistics from statistic from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And this is actually from 2015. And it says that uh, the median annual income for women is only it was only 81 percent of the men's uh, income. So this is really neat. Yesterday I was at a women's uh, breakfast and they actually stated this statistic for now is actually 77 percent. So it's gotten a little worse. <laughs> 2019 has gotten worse. <laughs> I wonder what's going on. I'm not sure. Me but too. So, so the smaller paycheck, and then I mean, now is that because they're doing other things? I mean, I mean, is it because they're not as career oriented? Do you, what do you see in your what you're talking? To? Now I'll tell you what I see, and and this is really strong in the Memphis community. Community, and I think Memphis is is one city that has this. There are a lot of female business owners, hmm. so you're growing your business. And 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 you're obviously the one that's just um, um, making that income on your own. So you see a lot more female business owners. Who, and I love it because they're stepping out and they're doing it. And it's great. That is that is important. What about what about the fact that I mean, I've heard this. I want to make sure that I say this right. This whole idea behind time out of the workforce. They've got a family mm, to raise. Yes. And then all of a sudden they become the caregiver. Yes. And and most of the time, uh, women are going to be the caregiver of a family member, of a parent, uh, of their children. So they have to take time away. So with them taking time away, that's allowing them to not make as much income as they normally would if they were. So that's uh, another side of the lowering expected earnings. I can see that one. Mm-hmm. more than the just the the growth but I, I like what you said there's more business owners and there that's are. a that's a real positive thing for the city all right so we've talked about longevity we understand that mm-hmm. talked about lower paycheck or maybe expected earnings as just being a little bit lower. So these are challenges. Number three, what would you call number three? Number three is women are more conservative investors. Amen. I know that. (laughs) No question about it. But not all women. Not all women. Because I do have a couple that are far more aggressive than their husbands. So but but on average, you would say, does that have anything to do with the fact that maybe 
they're thinking about the nest. They want the nest to be taken care of, and they want to be conservative. They don't want to mess the nest up. You know, what's your thought? I think, like a lot of people, it's just fear. And, and there was an article in Investor News that says women are more reluctant than men to accept risk in their portfolios, and this leads to conservative portfolios. And, and sometimes they don't even want to invest in the market. Oh, so it's fear that drives that. Just, yeah. Just because they, again, I can see that, that whole idea. You know, I guess if you just tuned in, my guest is Latrice McClin. She counsels and works. She's part of our financial literacy teams. Does a lot of speaking. If you want to talk with her, don't hesitate to give her a call at 757-5757. We're talking about the challenges that women investors have. And Latrice, I think you do a great job. You've done an enormous amount of research. When you put mm-hmm. your presentations together, this is not just off the cuff or no. you know, <laughs> off the top of your head. You you do your research and we've talked about longevity, we've talked about lower expected earnings. These are definitely challenges. But they are conservative. Number three was the fact that you said they're more conservative. But how do you work around that conservative side of that investor to help them understand the big picture of an investment program? Well, it's, it's you know, it's what we do. What all of us do in, in working in the profession is just educating our clients, helping them to understand, meeting them where they are and helping them to understand, OK, this is where you want to be. This is how we're going to help you get to this goal that you have. So sometimes with uh, being a, a extremely conservative investor, your money may not grow to where it keeps up with inflation. So that's going to hurt them in the long run. And they need to understand that. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I hear what you're saying. You're giving them some, some type of guidance. You're being a guide for them. You're helping them see the problem, which mm-hmm. may be inflation. So yeah. they're helping them see and understand that. So you're providing some type of a strategic thought process to give them, you know, helping through that, not just tell them to do it, but show them how to do it. And, and Jim, sometimes, too, it's, it's their first time working with a financial professional. So you, you have to, like I said, you have to meet them where they are and, and start educating them there and, and, and helping them through the process. All right. I, I think that is so critical. We're going to take a break. When we come back, this next next particular challenge blew me away when you were sharing it with me earlier. I just, I just amazes me. So you don't want to miss this. You, you really want to hear because she's going to lay out some things we need to be extremely sensitive to and every woman needs to know. No question about it. We're talking about challenges that are facing the investor if she's a woman. And you do not want to miss what's coming up. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking with Latrice McClin from Shoemaker Financial. Our subject challenges facing women investors. We've talked about longevity, just living too long. That's just bottom line. It's not that hard to, to figure that one out. But the second one was kind of interesting, a lower expected earnings. And then we talked about that women are definitely more conservative. Now, this next one is going to knock your socks off. Maybe not a surprise to anybody. It surprised me because it is so disproportionately against women. And that's just not the way it should be. Women are disproportionately affected by divorce. Latrice? 
So you, you have to think about this. D- divorce is not only going to affect uh, the emotional side for the spouses uh, and the children and the home is disrupted. So the financial side is really disrupted. And, and this statistic is going to really shock a lot of people. But the Huffington Post said that um, women experience 73 percent reduction of standard living uh, after divorce versus the husband's 42 percent increase in standard living. Isn't that crazy? I don't even want to go there. I mean, that is so unbelievable. And, you know, it's going from a dual income, a lot of cases, to a single income. And the mom, by and large, most of the time, unless you've got some rogue renegade mom, gets the children and dad's supposed to support. And, you know, as well Mm -hmm. as I do, that sometimes that doesn't happen. So we're talking about this 42 percent increase Instead of living, you know, the, the husband's 42% increase, the 73% reduction. Yeah. Now, I want to go back over that again. So 73% reduction to the lady's standard living after a divorce mm-hmm. contrasted with the husband's 42% increase wow. in standard living after divorce. I don't get it. Never Neither. will get it. Don't understand it. <laughs> no. Don't want my wife to know that because that would not be good. Mm-hmm. But they're left to raise the children. They're left, and they don't really understand because they haven't been exposed to it. The financial side. So, Latrice, again, mm-hmm. this is a this is tough on women. How do you help them? Well, it's it's you know, and I'm I'm going back to the foundation and basics of just uh, meeting them where they are and and continuing to uh, educate them and help them through the process. So you're not only helping them just the financial side, but you're you're kind of counseling them as well to to make sure okay and help them understand hey you're going to be fine you're going to be okay but it's a process so if you're going through that process with that woman that's going through the divorce and i mean her what women's i mean she's she's got a chance to go into poverty with this she does. so there's a lot of things you've got to do some proper planning you got to get involved with someone to help them make financial decisions so mm-hmm. summarize how do you how do you say for them to take control of their financial future um, just, just with that is, um, working with the financial professional and, and, um, uh, uh, just taking steps and it's a process. I always let people know, Hey, this is a process. This is not going to be something that's done overnight for you. It's a process of, of, of us working together and communicating and, and just being on the same page so we can reach that goal and get you to where you want to be. That's not easy. No, uh, it's not. I mean, so you talk about the woman should educate herself. So mm-hmm. that's where you come in, the education side. Um, but do, do you give them specifics? I mean, is there, do they need financial literacy and investments or just financial literacy and the whole, the whole idea of finance? I think it starts at the basics. That's where it starts and, and, and not getting too in the weeds with everything. But eventually it's, it's getting the investments so you can get some growth on whatever you're trying to do. But the basics and the foundations is definitely where you start. Because think about it, they're divorced. They're starting almost at the, at the beginning. They're starting at the at, at the bottom level and just trying to begin their new normal, as you can say. If you've just tuned in, our guest, my guest right now is Latrice McLean. She is talking about challenges facing women investors. Number one was longevity. You just live too long. You're going to outlive your husband. You haven't been involved in making decisions. 
get someone to help you with that. The second part that she talks about is lower expected earnings. Maybe you've got to be the caregiver. So understand that you may not have as much money to do the investings. You need to practice, you know, learning about it. And then, of course, you are more conservative by nature. So don't forget that. Learn how to deal with divorce. Get somebody to help you. Latrice, thanks so much for being a part of today's program. Thank you so much. It's always good to have you. If you've been listening, of course, to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guest earlier was Karen Vogelsang and Carrie Cage, and she is there with Rise to Read. You can call them at 901-347-5545 or go online to arise, the number 2, read.org. Also, Latrice McClan, if you would like to talk with Latrice, give her a call at 901-757-5757. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. As always, thanks for listening. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Thanks so much for being a part of today's program. As listening, you're faithful with it. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Latrice McClinn is a registered representative. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Dollar bills, y'all. Come on.